Hello. This is a uncommon and awkward occurrence here. So uh, when we recorded, everything sounded fine. But unfortunately, when I started editing this episode, the audio was not uh, up to standard, let's say. Uh, it's still probably good enough to publish. Uh, I'm making that decision just because I think that our conversation was really quite good. Uh, however, uh, be warned, the audio quality of this episode is not up to par and it will be better next time. So uh, feel free to cho- uh, continue. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks. Welcome to Active Discourse, a multi-platform technology podcast. I am Brett. And I'm Bo. And we're both glad that 2020 is over. Hoping 2021 brings us some good news <laughs> soon. Bring us all the good news, all of it. Yes, immediately we need it. Mainline it into our blood. <laughs> um, active discourse is now never longer than 45 minutes, though, so let's get going. Um, follow up. First up with follow up. I have a life full of MacBooks right now, Bo. Okay. And you're, you're overflowing with MacBooks. Your cup runneth over. I actually, right now, up until I send one of them back, I'm, I have four Macs in my house right now, and that is up from the normal three. So I have four right now. Anyway, uh, let's start with the first one. Um, the MacBook Air M1, after about a month of use, um, I just want to report that the battery life is absolutely crazy on this thing. So I was um, sitting outside today. Uh, by the way, um, I'm sitting outside. I'm not in the normal area right now. I'm in Phoenix right now. And so it's nice outside. I was sitting in the bright Phoenix sun all day long. Yeah, it must and, be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And uh, as as one has to have what what has to happen when you're in the Phoenix Sun is the brightness on the screen has to be bumped up to 100% in order to see the damn thing because um, that's just how screens work. I I started it at so I went outside at noon and I came in at four and so that's about four hours of use at 100% battery life and I think I went out there at like uh, 85% and I came back in at 40% of. And that, you know that's OneNote usage, that's Xcode usage, that's a little bit of YouTube, a lot of music playing, etc. Four hours and uh, hardly cut the battery life in half, so uh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's great that it's sticking around. I mean, I wouldn't expect to see huge dips in battery early on, but I'm really happy to see that battery life is a focus for something for once. Oh yeah, and we'll get to battery life. Uh, on the second MacBook that I have in my life right now in a moment. Um, but anyway, real quick on the M1, uh, 8 gigabytes of RAM might be showing a little bit of issue, but it's it's going to be fine. Um, and it, I think it's partially up to like Big Sur bugginess and whatnot. Xcode 12 is a little bit buggy right now, but every so often I do see an error uh, message when I'm basically trying to launch the simulator uh, to just to test you know a, an update and whatnot to an app I'm working on. And... Uh, the message indicates that I've run out of memory and I can't launch the simulator. So I reboot Xcode. Don't even reboot the whole computer. Just shut down Xcode, reload the damn thing. And then it's like, all is well. And it launches it all up just fine. So there's a few things like that that seem like it might be RAM-related, but it's not that big of a deal. So next up, you see in the show notes, and I'll tell the listeners that I have a MacBook Pro 16-inch in my life as well right now. So... I consider myself extremely lucky to have a MacBook for work uh, that work pays for and ships out to me and maintains. 
And for the last two-ish years, I've had a MacBook Pro 15-inch from 2017. And as we've talked about before on this episode, on the show, uh, the keyboard on that computer sucked. Are these the butterfly keys, or is this before those? The 2017 was butterfly keys. Right. So those are the ones that kind of widespread people hated. Oh, yeah. And right. I can see yeah. why. Okay. Yeah. Two years on that thing, and I can see why. And this thing was starting to exhibit signs of issue. Uh, I would have, um, throughout the, basically the last year or so, I probably had minor key sticking issues where uh, you know certain popular letters like A or E wouldn't actually appear. Like I just think I'm losing my mind and think that I just didn't type that E. But it very likely could have been that the keyboard just didn't register it. Um, but then the other day, uh, the return key seemed to have gotten stuck. And basically when, I don't know, you should try this out on a Mac, anyone who's listening that has a Mac, just hold down the return key and see what happens to your computer. Your computer loses its <laughs> mind. Stay out of critical apps while you do this, but yeah, totally give it a shot. <laughs> basically just on, on the desktop with the return key held down, uh, the error dialogue, the error sound just constantly pings and it's pinging like about like five times a second. And yeah, this computer is losing its mind. And so um, my company, uh, a big company, does what big companies do and basically just said, give that back to us. We'll send you a new one and we'll rock and roll. So they got me a 16-inch MacBook Pro from 2019, which is the latest model. And uh, that has the one with uh, the fixed keyboard. It has the magic keyboard, as Apple so likes to call it. And there will be there should not be any issues with that. So I'm super excited to have an upgrade thanks to the bad keyboard. Awesome. Um, so this is fascinating because this allows me to directly compare the one of the fastest laptops that Apple sells with the Intel model and the cheapest laptop that they sell today, which is the M1 MacBook Air. And battery life. Let's look at that first. So this thing, uh, I read up a couple of reviews on this thing just to kind of get back up to speed with, you know, the 16-inch MacBook before I got it. And all the reviews last year said that this thing had killer battery life. Compared to the MacBook M1, MacBook M1 absolutely holds the crown now for sure. So similar situation over the course of the last few days. Um, I also sat outside with the 16-inch MacBook Pro um, in direct sunlight for a few hours, and it went from 100 to 0 in four hours with direct with 100% sunlight. So take that for what it is. So other few quick things here, by the way, um, this is a heavy thing. Um, it's a little bit heavier than the 15 inch, but at the same time, let's, I'm just going to put it into perspective here. I really do quite like the 13 inch, uh, air a lot. I quite like it for that size. And I, it's, it's also kind of nice to have differentiation between my personal and professional MacBooks. Um, it feels like I'm not at work when I'm using my MacBook Air, and it feels like I'm at work when I'm using the 16-inch. Just human brains are funny. <laughs> I like that. Having a context switch is good for that stuff. Right. So the screen's good. Um, it's pretty much identical to the 15-inch that it replaces. It's a little bit bigger, and I'm also pretty happy to see that the most expensive screen that they put on a laptop is pretty much identical also to the 13-inch that I have as well. I don't really see any issue, any difference in screen quality on the two, so... Pretty happy with that. Touch bar is useless. Um, and yeah, the Macro Gear seems maybe slightly faster than the 16-inch Pro. Otherwise, they're roughly the same. Um, it seems like uh, apps launch faster on the MacBook Air. Apps like Photoshop and InDesign pretty much work identical. Um, 
it's just, it's just so fascinating to see how the top of the line laptop from last year is as fast as the lowest end laptop that Apple sells currently. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah, march of progress. That's super cool. It's pretty hot. It gets it takes zero effort to get this thing hot, and it stays that way. Um, I don't think there's any way to cool it down unless you turn it off. So, uh, and the MacBook Air hasn't gotten hot over the course of the last month. Uh, maybe maybe warm while editing photos in Lightroom or Photoshop, but otherwise I'm, I'm just blown away by, uh, <laughs> by this thing. I don't think, uh, given the size and price of the 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro, I don't necessarily know if I would go for it. I really like the small size of the 13-inch Air, and I, I don't know. I, I have high hopes that the 16-inch uh, Pro gets a really fascinating update with uh, Apple Silicon. So yeah, for me, I don't know if I'd be able to do less than like a 15 on a laptop. Yeah, you have a 15 inch at home, don't you? Yeah, I have a Dell XPS 15 inch from a few years ago. And I don't know if I could go much smaller than that. It really helps that the XPS has very thin bezels on the the display. Um, so it keeps uh, even though it's a 15 inch, it f- probably feels like 13 inches from other some other uh, manufacturers but yeah 13 would probably be tough for me to do I, yeah i can see that i can definitely see that yeah so you being a big ipad user would that would the ipad get you some of the way to that same thing like if you just had the uh <clears throat> the 15 inch or or sorry the uh macbook air m1 if you just had that and then you had your ipad does that get you those two kind of things if we're just looking at that, those couple things, the the size and usability. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I re- obviously I quite love the iPad Pro. Um, I do have the 13-inch iPad Pro, and I do quite love it. Um, I'm still trying to figure out when uh, the iPad Pro is used versus when the MacBook Air is used. The MacBook Air right now is the one that's the kind of the darling of the household right now just because it's the adorable new child essentially in the household and it's <laughs> you got the forgotten children over in the corner yeah fortunately there's a few of those but yeah the ipad pro has definitely been kind of playing second fiddle these days um it's worked extremely well as uh with um it can it can be used as a external display to the macbook and it works really really well when it ends up working um and that, but that's kind of crazy to think that that's you know the best case scenario that it can be used for. So, um, I I kind of reserve. I, I need to think more about this once uh, the MacBook Air isn't so new in the household to figure out where has the iPad landed versus the uh, the MacBook Air because of the fact that back in March slash April when the Magic Keyboard came out for the iPad Air and I was super excited about that and I do still quite like it. At that time, I don't know if you remember this, but I was saying that I don't have a need for a laptop in my life. And at least per- personally, not professionally. I have one professionally, but not personally. And that has changed, and I really do quite like the MacBook Air. I specifically like it, though, for Xcode. And if Xcode was available on iPad, I would be very curious to see where exactly that takes me. That's not available, so I can't develop apps on the iPad right now, and that is a super bummer from 2020. And that could be a segue. Are you ready to segue on into the next topic? Actually, I've got uh, a little topic here that I can talk about that's something that happened today to me and Stephanie. So we took a little trip, and we're going to uh, pick up some things from Ikea. 
and we're on the road. Something with her iPhone, she's got a 10R. Something with her phone was going wonky. She, like she said, the screen was black. I was driving, so I couldn't, you know, diagnose it or anything. But uh, she said, like, the screen was black, and she was, like, pushing buttons. And then all of a sudden, the siren on the phone starts going off. You know what that means? Yeah, it's called 911. Yep. <laughs> so we're driving down the road, and and this alarm starts going off, and it's hooked up to my car, so the 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 whole car starts ringing and <laughs> i'm like did you just call 911 oh, no. and so the operator picks up and says 911 what's your emergency and yep. so we had to say sorry we just pushed the wrong buttons on the phone which i'm sure happens more often than anyone would like and then also we noticed yeah. that it sent a bunch of texts because she had emergency contacts set up oh yeah yeah that's um, good so it sent out her location and stuff like that. And so we, we got to test uh, the, the emergency functions on, on the iPhone. And it <laughs> turns out they work very well. So yeah. if you're ever in danger and you want to send out an SOS, just you know press that button three times, I think, is the, the that, that's magic spellcasting trick you got to do. That's, that's 100% it. Yep. yep. So uh, she's fine. We're fine. That's good. <laughs> we were not in any real danger, yep. uh, but we learned something about her iPhone today. It's a feature you don't want until uh, until you need it. So something else we don't want ever again is uh, to go back to 2020. Right? We're done with that. Well, so we're almost done. We're going to talk a little bit about 2020. <laughs> yeah, so let's have some uh, nostalgia for the year that um, we don't want to remember. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, there's a lot of tech podcasts out there that like to go over all the articles from the year that like to review the best absolutely of the year. Um, what I was hoping to uh, quickly review is just two of our favorite topics from the last year and maybe uh, things that we might not remember or just notable things that we want to talk about um, from 2020. So, um, to give an example of this, I'll start with mine. And very much on topic with this here today is uh, back in March 2020, there was an article that came out from uh, a processor researcher uh, who basically came out and published an editorial saying, I was wrong. Apple really, really could make a processor that will be faster than anything Intel makes today. And that's actually the most likely scenario that is what they're going for right now. And it's just fascinating because I know when these MacBooks came out in uh, November, everyone was losing their minds. I was losing my mind specifically about how fast these things are and how cheap they are and how if you compare them to last year, it's just ridiculous how fast they are. And so here's specifically uh, what he said in March 2020. So he was talking about Ampere Computing, founded by an ex-Intel president uh, in 2017. He talks about the Ampere designs and um, how they uh, sell high-powered ARM chips that compete directly with the Xeon processors, the fastest possible processors that Intel makes for their uh, data centers and servers and whatnot. And uh, Ampere's top-of-the-line chips consume less power, right around like 200 watts, and that competing with the, in, the Xeon processor at 400 watts, at 200 to 400, the Ampere 
uh, chips, you have about the same amount of computing power for the uh, Intel processor that's at 400, almost twice the amount. Um, and it, what Ampere does shows what Apple can do with their highest-end computer, the Mac Pro. And as it happens, Ampere ma happens to make these chips at the same place, TSMC, that Apple does with all of their iPhone processors and now uh, Apple M1 chips as well. Yeah, he was he was following the breadcrumbs. Yeah, so I just find it fascinating that maybe necessarily shouldn't be such a surprise that these things are so fast, especially when compared to um, how fast iPads are and how fast iPhones are. Um, I guess another thing to consider, though, is, and you might know maybe a little bit more about this, um, so whether or not the server farms would take the savings in power and just keep the exact same speed that they were previously getting, just, you know, save about 50% the amount of power? Or would those server farms be totally fine with the amount of power that they're outputting and expect twice the performance? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, whether or not they want twice the performance or if they want half the power. Mm, it, what do you think? Well, I, I would I would think if you're running if you're running a server farm or a cluster of servers I almost would say that you're going to want to cut that power usage in half and double the number of machines that you can have and have a higher throughput. There you go. There you go. Because uh, that gives you, that gives you, I mean, aside from the pure number of machines that you have, you also have uh, a greater redundancy or the ability to distribute your computing power across a greater number of machines. So I I think I would go that route. So that's my first article. What do you got? My first one should come as a surprise to no one in the end, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, in early 2020, uh, there was an article that I found on Ars Technica, and it's regarding LG and mm -hmm. their mobile business, or lack thereof. The dark horse of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> 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 so... This whole kind of article, the reason I picked it was because I I have a Samsung phone and I really like it and I have a tablet from Samsung and I really like it. So they're great devices, but I'm worried that Samsung being the king is going to, and maybe already, is not such a good thing for them or us. Mm. And I'd like us to maintain a level of competition and even increase it from where we're at right now. Because in the last few years, we've seen such a drop-off in alternative manufacturers for good Android phones. It seems like Samsung is going to just kind of kick back, and uh, aside from like the foldables and stuff, just right. kind of put out devices that wow nobody. I'm yeah. using LG kind of as a stand-in for alt manufacturers in, in Android or, or really the mobile world as a whole but this was an article from uh early 2020 january it was it was getting some messaging out from lg there they had a new ceo who was appointed in the very end of 2019 heading into 2020 and so ceo comes on board and of course they want us they want to say something that people want to hear or that at least the shareholders want to hear <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so this new CEO comes out and says, 
LG Electronics mobile business is going to be profitable by 2021. <laughs> okay. Here we are <laughs> in 2021. Yep. And uh, here at the, at the end of December, as of December uh, 7th, LG <laughs> had continued to report losses in their mobile business, which has now reported an operating loss for 22 consecutive quarters. And so this new CEO seems to have made no impact whatsoever over the course of the year. Yeah. LG phones suck. (laughs) Yep. And here's the thing. There's this pattern with LG. Like they, they always do the same kind of thing. They, every year they come out and they say, we're disappointed with our current flagship sales. So next year we're going to come out with a whole new flagship and then it releases and it's the same old, same old (laughs) and they make no significant changes. I'm not sure how they can do that and look at it and say, next time we'll be different. Yeah. Right. Next time we're really going to knock it out of the park. (laughs) Yeah, basically, from what it seems like back in maybe 2012, uh, LG and Samsung were relatively neck and neck, but um, that was maybe the last moment that LG had the chance to get mind share from the mass market. And then after that, um, Samsung kind of slowly at first, but after maybe like 2015, rapidly took over as the android king and left lg completely in the dust by 2015 most likely and yeah i lg is such a fascinating their whole their whole thing that is so fascinating the wing is an interesting device that i'm happy exists even though i from the reviews i've seen it seems to indicate that it kind of sucks we could dedicate a lot of time to lg and i've just how we dedicate a lot of time to sony the other month yeah with their uh their smartphone division i'd be very tempted to spend that same amount of time for lg specifically maybe closer to whenever they launch whatever latest flagship is they have because i don't even know what their flagship is called these days i don't even know what's called Uh, well the g9 i think um but they might have added some weird like the the think or think you right I think they, I don't know if they kept a G9 or if they also had, you know, I don't know if they replaced it with the G9 ThingQ. They also have a V line as well, which is supposed to be a super high end model as well. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know which one is more exciting, the G or the V line. I don't know. I, I think that they did some rebrand last year as well. I think Velvet's a middle line phone, but they're just so confusing. Samsung has it pretty well locked down where yeah. the S line is top of the line. And if it's not S, uh, I mean, there's a ton of middle range phones, but people really pay attention to the S line. And if they don't pay attention to phones at all, they just go to a carrier store and then the carrier person says, oh, it's the A or the J or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. catches their eye at that point. Whereas LG is kind of just, you accidentally buy an LG. You don't actually buy an LG. <laughs> oh man, I was on the way home. I just accidentally bought an LG phone. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at least in comparison to, I mean, so Samsung aside, in comparison to Sony, at least Sony puts out quality phones. I mean, they're always lacking in like one major area, 
at least you know Sony makes a good phone, so they're pretty big, I think, in in other regions. Um, yeah. But they don't do well in the U.S. and I guess maybe it's a little bit of chicken and egg. Like they don't yeah. have those frequencies to support U.S. networks very well. So maybe if they did, they'd sell better. Maybe it's marketing. Who knows? They're, I don't think any of us are qualified to uh, <laughs> comment on that stuff specifically. But yeah. Sony at least at least makes quality devices, whereas LG literally has a dedicated Wikipedia page to smartphone boot loop issues. Nice. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth revisiting this uh later on in January after the Galaxy S21 is announced and what your thoughts are on the 21 as well as um you know alternatives. What what you would consider as an alternative. Yeah, I I'd, I'd like to see an expansion in the Android landscape or or get some kind of new interesting things in there and not get whittled down to just one major player. Yeah. Samsung is very much clearly the major player, but I think that LG just might not be the natural alternative. I think there are natural alternatives or other mm-hmm. alternatives, but maybe not a natural alternative like LG is. So, yeah. We'll uh We'll revisit this. Uh, we'll kind of take a look at the mobile landscape uh, at some point in the future. But uh, for now, uh, LG closing that up. Um, they, as of December, they were looking to shake up their mobile phone business again. So <laughs> uh, we'll see them maybe uh, repeat the cycle next year, or maybe they'll uh, dive up out of the drain and surprise us all. So yeah, we'll keep an I'll eye just... on them and everyone else. LG's just living in a perpetual Groundhog's Day. <laughs> yeah, they're well, they're stuck in 2020, and they actually they were in 2020 before it was cool. Brutal, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> All right, so my second article from 2020 was um, looking at uh, the news article that came out in April 2020 about Apple and Google. Uh, participating together on a COVID tracking system. And at the time, this was an amazing tool uh, because at the time, um, you know, Apple and Google working together on a privacy-minded project seemed unheard of, and it was unheard of. And it it seemed like a really great tool um, designed to be multi-platform between iOS and Android and give you an alert if you were, you know, within whatever metric from someone else who has a confirmed case of coronavirus and uh, but the problem is it was up to so as they developed it they produced it they i think they finally launched it over the course of the summer and for better or worse they left that technology up to each state or country to implement and maybe unsurprisingly without someone taking the lead no one really did uh and this is unfortunately depressing um i guess the only good news here is that i'm i'm glad that some private company doesn't have the power to implement a global policy like this yeah just a little bit frustrating though that this service has basically been a joke and so i'll I'll give an example here so before before you do didn't it form the back end for some of the stuff that's being used out there yeah it did yeah, it's it is the back end. There's people can make their own, um, but I don't see why. I, I I think that most people realized why would we make our own when uh, we can just use the technology Apple and Google made. But you know, companies do make their own. So the example is myself. I got coronavirus in November, 
And I was well aware of this service. First of all, most people aren't aware of this, um, but I was well aware of it. And so, um, and this has been an option in settings, in at least on the iOS side, for, you know, what, I got it in November, so it was in there for several months. And um, the place you report your diagnosis is hidden in the exact same place that you turn off the setting entirely. And it does not allow you to report your diagnosis unless your state has an official tracking app. So it's a service built into the iPhone, but you need an app as well. And um, further, long story short, I'm not really in my home state these days. I was in Colorado at the time, um, which had an app that I could report to. And so, um, but I did not kind of go through the normal process to get my, uh, to get my test. I ended up getting a saliva test. Um, and the saliva test was based through Minnesota, my hometown. Um, and they didn't give me a tracking number, or at least I couldn't see it. I don't know where to find it. And so it was just super freaking confusing. Like I, the Colorado had the service. It was asking for a tracking number. I couldn't find this tracking number. No one, no one just screamed out at the top of their lungs. Here's your tracking number for love of God. Input this into the system. It was, it was nothing. It's as if, you know, everyone was like, Oh, you got coronavirus. Make sure you stay away from people. Do the right thing. Don't go out into public. Rest. Pay attention to your health, etc. And you know, there's. It's as if the service didn't even exist. There, there was no. I haven't seen a single news article in popular news at all about this service. Um, and honest to God, I actually turned it off because I could tell that it was draining about like two percent of my battery every single day. And so, since I physically was confused as hell, a tech savvy guy confused as hell how in the world to report my diagnosis i i just turned it off because screw it i want that extra two percent battery i have a small phone these days i want my battery back but damn it <laughs> hmm, what if they make an m1 iphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, man it, it's so depressing because this was such a cool idea because it's two companies saying privacy is important and saying hey government take it Take it, use this from us, take it, and we're going to make sure that this is privacy-minded and that you can't spy on your citizens. It was great, and no one used it. So, I mean, other countries used it. Sorry. And I don't know whether or not it's been successful, <laughs> but uh, the United States didn't, really. It sounds pretty typical of, of us in the U.S. right now. I do have uh, Minnesota's app installed. It's called uh, COVID aware MN. I have exposure detection on. I've never gotten any kind of message from it that I was exposed. So I right. assume it's doing something, but I have no <laughs> real proof of that. It, it's yeah. just, it's supposed to tell me when I'm exposed. So I guess I haven't, at least as far as the app knows, but that it relies on reports from people like yourself who, mm -hmm. who got it and would report it. So if, there's not that many people reporting then odds go way down that the apps yeah. you're gonna know in order to tell me yeah it's crazy it's just crazy it's it was such a cool idea back back in mar in april and uh nothing happened to it so <laughs> you yeah know, whatever it is what it is i guess yeah so. by this by you know but we'll we'll get rid of it before we ever start actually using the the damn app Everybody will be vaccinated, crossing fingers. What's your uh, next article? Uh, next one is on Flash. Ooh. Not the superhero, the uh, technology. Um, 
so Flash, as some of you may know, was um, basically used for battery hogging buggy animations and games <laughs> on the web. <laughs> Pretty much every game you used to play began as a Flash game. It was huge on the web for for a really long time. I, but pretty much out of the gate, Apple did not want Flash to be on any of its platforms. So I think they originally wanted to have Flash not available at all on the iPhone. Yes, and they succeeded in that. Right. iOS has um, never had Flash. Okay, perfect. So that was kind of the beginning of the end, or maybe it had already begun to go downhill for Flash. But Flash was huge in my childhood i grew up playing flash games like if any of you were on Newgrounds oh, or yeah. uh youtube actually back in the day it was based on flash up until i don't know probably early 2010s and then it uh things started moving over to html5 and uh javascript web apps so flash was a big deal on the early web it was kind of like so there was also java applets and Java could run in the browser. Java had the same problem. So Java and Flash in the browser were both pretty bug-ridden things, and they were hefty. They were huge runtimes. So they were battery hogs and just caused a whole lot of headaches yep. kind of for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been a long time coming, I'll just say that. But I came across it when I was looking for things because I've I've been seeing... In the, head, in the headlines for the past couple days, Flash has been coming up. And as I was going through some of these articles from uh, early 2020, I saw one talking about Apple and ending Flash support. And that was in January. They were intending to end Flash support in their next Safari release, which has come and gone by this time. Right. But here we are in 2021, and... You will not be able to use Flash anymore. Windows has disabled it, and it's based on your clock. So if your clock is in January 1st, 2021 and beyond, you cannot use Flash. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> uh, you could maybe try to roll back your clock and uh, see if that works, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I won't advise that. Uh, I will note that there are a bunch of people putting time and effort into uh, preserving all of that Flash uh, game and animation stuff. So the Internet Archive is, which is an awesome project in the first place because it's it's trying to preserve everything that goes on the web. Because people say that if you put something on the internet, it's it's there forever, but that's not strictly true. If you put something on the web and the link breaks, <laughs> or it gets moved, or it was just not a very common thing in the first place, that stuff can disappear. You know, if it doesn't exist in multiple places, it doesn't exist at all. <laughs> so the Internet Archive is an awesome project that, that pre preserves the Internet as a whole, but they're, they have a project strictly for Flash, too. So all these games and animations, they're, they're uh, working on storing those and making them work. But there's, there's projects elsewhere, like programming projects, to basically recreate Flash as... Wow a more secure platform to make all of these things still work and to work better. That's amazing. So yeah, keep an eye on that stuff. Cause, um, 
those things could still be around if these people succeed. It's pretty cool. Yeah, or hold on to your um, pre-Windows 10 computer in your attic. Yeah, <laughs> and don't ever hook it up to the internet again. Because <laughs> someday that might be worth a fortune to some dude who wants to relive his uh, early 2000s <laughs> childhood. <laughs> and buying your old Windows XP machine with a dual, like, Celeron processor yeah. is the only way he can relive that dream. <laughs> Hold on to him. Hold on to him. Become a horror, everyone. Do it. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't ever get rid of anything, ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Except Flash. That has to die. <laughs> well, <laughs> moral of the story, keep everything but Flash. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Live by the Adobe uh, model. Yeah. Thank God 2020 is over. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my, uh, I don't know if you saw in, in my notes here mm-hmm. and I came up with this just before we started the show flash and 2020 killing two birds with one ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flash game. Oh, that'd be a cool game. Yeah. Can't make it in flash anymore though. Nope. Not in flash, but there's much better technology to make it in today than that. So <laughs> if only we made something better than flash that, yeah, right. that we could replace it with. Yeah. Hmm. If only something like based on the web, let HTML could be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So closing out today, um, instead, since it's, you know, the new year, we want to close out the episode with goals for 2020. I don't necessarily endorse, um, New Year's resolutions, but goals are good. Goals are very good. And so um, I can start with my goal, unless you want to start with yours. Okay. Let it rip. So in 2021, my goal is simple. I want to release an app on the App Store. I have been learning a lot about development lately. I bought a whole MacBook just to make sure that I can continue doing it. And so I'm going to continue doing that. And I've uh, spent a lot of time... Uh, in the last couple months, uh, back digging back into uh, app development, and I want to publish an app this year. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I can. So it'll be fun. Is How this an app that mm-hmm. you have already worked on, or you want to come up with a new app and publish it? Anything. Um, I have a variety of different ideas. Basically, they're all just learning projects at this point, just to mm-hmm. learn. I'm, I learn better with real examples that I want to exist. Like, I wanted, uh, I think there's a Pokedex app that I had a couple years back that inspired this whole damn thing to happen for me to dig into programming. Um, the developer hasn't updated it in three years at this point, and so it's only a matter of time until it dies. And I love the app. The app is great. And so I was like, I can make that. I can make that. All I need to do is learn how to do programming. <laughs> and um, that was uh, um, maybe uh, it was a good idea. Basically, you know, it, it inspired me to do something that I always should do, which is be a developer. So um, it's an easy app to make in the grand scheme of things. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I think that's where 90% of developers begin is they're They find something that is, like it's days are numbered or like, man, I wish it worked like this. And then you just figure out how and you do it yourself. Uh, what's your goal for 2020? I would, and this is one I've already started, but I want to publish and expand my personal website. So I started cool. building a, a personal website and it has already been published, but I want to work on it more and uh, get more cool things on there. 
So that is at bolingen.me. Link in the show notes. B-O-L-I-N-G-E-N dot me. And uh, so it's already published, and so I want to keep working on it. And the next thing in line is I'd kind of like to figure out some sort of, like, notes or stories section. Hmm. So kind of not not really a blog because I don't expect myself to to blog frequently or to uh, write long-form articles or anything like that, but uh, kind of a section for just mini posts. So maybe I'll... Uh, Maybe I'll hook up with the Twitter API and get some of that pulled in, um, the kind of relatively few tweets that I make. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah it, I think it would add part of a kind of a dynamic part of the site on top of what's there, which which is kind of just an about me currently. Um, I just started um, putting, it, putting it online, uh, like... Uh, under two weeks ago so hmm. content very much in progress but i think the design i've got it to a point where uh where i like it so from here on out nice. i'm just going to be trying to work on cool things to add to it and some interesting kind of content and um maybe some unique design spins we'll see we'll see what i can do with it you got my mind moving too very quickly here so cool hello your editor again brett so thank you for listening. Um, I just decided to trash the whole outro of this and re-record it in fresh, clean audio here. So thank you for listening. Um, if uh, you'd like to share any feedback or questions or topic suggestions, um, you don't need to share any feedback on the audio quality. I already know it's bad on this episode. <laughs> but um, feel free to let us know anything else on uh, Twitter at Active Discourse. And we will be back quickly, actually. Uh, Bo and I are going to be talking this next week uh, about the Galaxy S21 or whatever they so choose to call it. And uh, we're going to see whether or not that is the phone for Bo. So until then, uh, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye.